affects you, even if you're not saying it. So he began to give me an illustration. If you began to think illness, your body began to go to that place. If you began to think lack, your body began to react to lack. See, even in your thinking, your body reacts, your emotions react. Everything began to react. It starts with a thought, y'all. So God is saying, don't think just because you don't say it, that nothing is happening. The enemy know if I can get you to even think about it. He said, I got you. Because see, the mind controls the body. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he and so does he become. So this is why we have to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. The Lord is saying the enemy, Satan, is after your mind. Now, you may lose a limb. You may lose um, activity of your limbs. But when you lose your mind, that's everything. So that's what he wants. He wants your mind. So today, this is what I want to talk about. Go to, with me to First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. And I believe this is a word for the body of Christ because this is happening even amongst um, the ones that have been saved for many, many years. This is what the enemy um, is doing. So, Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for being my teacher and my helper on today in Jesus' name. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you a little background on what's going on here. This is Peter. And Peter was talking to, you can be seated. Peter was talking to the ones that were scattered abroad. They were Christians. And these Christians were being persecuted. They were going through trials. They were going through tribulation. And this was the time that they were being martyred, even for believing what they believed. So Peter was giving them encouragement. That's why Peter is called the apostle of hope. And first thing that he was letting them know, he said, you are elected according to the foreknowledge of God. What Peter was doing was renewing their minds, reminding them of who they were in Christ. He said, you were elected. That means that you were chosen by God. You were predestined. You were foreknown by God. So he was reminding them that God chose you. It was nothing you had to do to be chosen. So he was giving them hope, but he was telling them, this is what you got to do. Gird up the loins of your mind. Let's talk about what it means to gird up. When a soldier go out to battle or is ready for battle, they have on a tonic. And what they have to do, they have to gird up that tonic. And that way, when they gird it up, it's not getting in their way. It's preparing them. So when I say gird up the loins of your mind, that means prepare your minds. Have a readiness. Why is God bringing this to the body of Christ? Y'all, it is so much happening around us. Some things that you may hear about, but some things you have not seen actually for yourself. So God is preparing you now to say, gird up the loins of your mind. I want you to be prepared. I want you be, to be ready for what's yet to come. So, and then another um, thing which means gird up, there was um, Gehazi, and he was Elijah's servant. 
And by him serving Elijah, the Shittimite woman's son got sick, um, sick unto death, actually died in her lap. She went to Elijah, and when she went to Elijah, Elijah told the servant, he said, gird up your loins. He said, take my staff in your hand and go that way. And Elijah was telling him, don't you stop for no one. You get to that son. So what he was saying when he said, gird up your loins, he said, I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready. I don't want nothing to get in your way of the assignment that I'm sending you on. So see, when you gird up your mind, God wants you to be prepared. He wants you to be ready for whatever is coming in your life. So he said, but I want you to take my staff in your hands. What he meant was, I'm giving you the authority that was given unto me from God. So when you lay this staff on that son, he shall recover. So Elijah was thinking, if I give you my staff, then when you get to the son, the son's going to recover. The son didn't recover. Why? Because the anointing was placed upon Elijah. That's Elijah's assignment. This is what God had given Elijah to do. So Elijah, y'all know what he had to do. He had to go lay on that son. But God reminded me, he says, too many people out here taking a word from people and trying to live off of that word, but their minds ain't been girded up. Their minds haven't been prepared. And as soon as something happened, there's no word. So God is saying he wants you to prepare your mind. He wants you to be ready for this battle. Y'all, we are in a spiritual battle. And this is what Paul was, um, Peter was telling the Christians. He said, you're in a battle and this is what you have to do to um, endure until Christ comes, to endure this suffering. And he reminded them of the suffering that Jesus endured even at the cross. So don't think that you're not going to go through anything. Don't think that just because you're saved that everything is going to be okay. Understand that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And because you don't do what this world does, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. But the problem with Christians today, like I said last Sunday, sometimes I wonder if Christians have lost their mind. And I know we have the mind of Christ, but you see in set-apart ones that's acting just like the world, that's uh, blending in right along with the world, that's approving with what the world is doing. See, over here in Peter's time, he was letting them know, you are different. So being that you're different, he said, um, the Romans are not going to like you. Your family ain't going to like you. People are just not going to like you. Your family going to give you up because you are different. This is what's happening to us. The ones that are truly serving Jesus, that truly have the love of God deep down in their heart, you're going to be hated. Don't think that you can make friends with somebody that is not saved. Because let me tell you why. Because you are different. You got to see yourself as being different. And Luke, when we look at the book of Luke, this is what Jesus was telling them. Jesus was telling them in Luke um, 35, he was saying, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Why was Jesus saying, let your loins be girded about? Jesus said, I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready for the day that I come. Some of us have not prepared our minds. Some of us have not prepared ourselves for the coming 
of the Lord. He said, you got to be prepared. You got to be ready because you don't know when I'm coming. So he's saying, let your lights be burning. What is he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's saying that the word is a lamp under your feet and a light unto your path. See, as you take that word with you, that word is going to give you light. It's going to give you clear direction. And this is what the enemy don't want you to have. The enemy don't want you to have the word. The enemy don't want you to come into the house of the Lord to receive the word. The enemy wants you to be deceived. The reason why he wants you to be deceived because he know what truth does. This is why Peter was saying, gird up the loins of your mind. He was, he said, I want you to be prepared. So he began to encourage them, reminding them of who you are now that you in Christ, reminding them of the hope that was yet coming when Jesus come. Y'all, the church have gotten so slack has gotten so slowful that church folks don't even think they need Jesus. Now, this is the honest truth. We, some of us don't think that we need Jesus. We think that we have everything we need. Some people think because they got money in the bank, they're okay. Money cannot buy you what has already been purchased for you. Money cannot give you what God has already given you. See, some of us have to wait on money, but we don't have to wait on redemption because redemption have already been paid for through his son. The blood has redeemed us. The blood has saved us. The blood has reconciled us, have justified us, and sanctified us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So people think that Jesus just shedded his blood for nothing see this is why our minds have to be girded up our minds have to be prepared because we have to remind ourselves on a daily basis who we are I'm going back because I'm reminding I'm getting a flashback of brother Willie and how he looked at himself in the mirror and said who are you (laughs) Willie he answered for himself. He had to know who he was because Willie was in trouble. Willie thought something was getting ready to happen to him. He thought he was going to stroke out. But then he said, if I know who I am, it can't be a stroke. So he had to look at himself in the mirror and say, who are you, Willie? So Willie knew that he was okay. And I'm going to ask you today, when you look in the mirror, can you say who you are in Christ? Can you say the authority that has been given to you in Christ? See, sometimes we have to look at ourselves and say, that's not the real you. That's not who you are. That's not who God created you to be. And God reminded me of something. When your mind is girded up, when your mind is prepared, somebody may tell me something that Darlene done. And I know Darlene done it, but I'm looking at them and say, I ain't denying what she done, but I know that's not Darlene. I know that's not the one God created her to be. Because the Darlene I know, she's a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's no longer Darlene who lives, but it's Christ who lives in her. God has begun a good work in Darlene. And he's going to finish that work even until the day of Jesus Christ. Why can I speak like that even though I know Darlene done something outside of the will of God? Because I prepared my mind. I ain't seeing Darlene the way the world see Darlene. I'm seeing Darlene the way God saw her even when she was, y'all got to hear me. Even when you were in your mess, God didn't see you in your mess. God saw you delivered 
God saw you set free. God didn't see you sick. He saw you healed. He saw you well. God didn't see you in lack. He saw you in abundance. And I want to ask you, how do you see yourself? The way you see yourself is the way you're going to be. You can't look at money and say, I don't have enough because I have more than enough now that I'm in him. And this is why you go to him. In him you live. In him you move. And in him you have your being. So we have to remind ourselves that's how we prepare our minds. But when you sit at home and you begin to think about shoulda, coulda, or woulda, or how this is going to work, or how that's going to work, it brings oppression, it brings depression. But when you begin to think on the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, not what he's going to do, but all that he's already done for you, your soul should cry out, hallelujah, God, I thank you for saving me because I could not save myself so that's why your mind have to be prepared it has to be ready y'all for battle you got to know you have the mind of christ you got to know that he's given you everything for this battle that you in the battle is in the mind y'all and the enemy know if i can get your mind i got you so he gets your mind by what you hear he worked with your five senses. When somebody tells you something, the first thing that happened, you get distraught based on what they said. But if your mind is prepared, you said, I ain't denying what you said, but I know I don't have to receive it because that's not who I am now that I'm in Christ. This is who I am because this is what the word says. Don't you think the enemy going to be mad? He's going to stir them up even some more. Because they're going to say, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. If you don't do that, this is how the outcome is going to be. Guess what? Victory has already been won in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. God is telling you right now to get prepared. Be ready. Have a readiness about you. It starts right up here in your mind. When we look at Jesus, Jesus even told them, gird up your mind. Let your lights be burning. He said, gird up your loins. Let your lights be burning. Why? He said, because you don't know when I'm coming. But you got to stay in that word. You got to stay focused until my return. He said, prepare yourself now. Don't wait till later. All of us in here that say our bag's supposed to be packed even here in the church because we don't know when Jesus is coming. This is why your heart's got to be right. This is why if you hold an offense, if you hold in grudges, if you hold in unforgiveness, you're supposed to let it go. Someone that has hurt you, you should be willing to say, you know what, I know that's not you. I know that's the enemy using you to come against me. My love don't change for you just because you change. Because if my love changed for you, I'm not who I say I am in Christ. This is how I know some people's minds are not prepared. Some people's minds have not been made ready. Because soon as somebody hurts you that you've been so close to for years, oh, you do flips. You start double-dutching. You start having a double mind. You start telling people how raunchy this person is and what this person done to me and how they done it to me. Come on, that's not Christ-like. That's not Christ-like. What did Paul say? Though they slay me, Paul went through.
gruesome things, but he kept his same testimony, y'all. And this is what God said. We should keep our same witness. No matter what a person do, we should be saying the same thing. I know it wasn't you that done it, but I know it was the spirit that used you to do it. So I come against the spirit that's in you. Come on, what did Paul do? The lady that had the spirit of divination. He didn't say nothing to the woman. He said something to the spirit. He said, you come out of her. And that spirit had to leave her. But what happened to Paul? He got persecuted. Didn't he get beat? Yes, because he was bringing forth deliverance. And the enemy did not want her to be delivered because it was gain for the enemy. Don't y'all see what's going on around you? So God is saying, guard up the loins of your mind. There's one that we're familiar with, which is Ephesians. And we go in here all the time. But one thing that we're not doing is putting on this armor. And God gave me this first part of this armor. If you notice in Ephesians 6.14, listen at what it says here with this armor. This is the first part. First, I'm going to go to uh, 14, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's stop right there. We're wrestling too much with each other. We're wrestling too much with the flesh. The Bible, whatever the Bible says, this is what the Bible means. Whatever is written, this is what's written. It's not going to change. When Paul is saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood... Evidently, Paul saw in that church that this is what was going on. So this is why our minds have to be prepared for battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, I'm not coming against a fear. I'm coming against some principalities. I'm coming against the spirit of wickedness, the spirit of darkness that a fear is allowing to um, use to come against me. Using that as an example, no, a fear is not doing it. But that's what I'm coming against because this is why you have discerning of spirits. So you will know what spirit is coming up against you so you can rise up in that power and authority that God has given you and say, I rebuke you, you spirit of jealousy. In the name of Jesus, and I loose the love of God. See, this is what we're supposed to do because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So he said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now here's the key. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that she may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. If we don't have on this whole armor, we're not going to be able to stand. The enemy knows that. So this is why he don't want you to gird up. This is why he don't want you to be prepared. Going back to David, David watched over the sheep. And as he watched over those sheep, God was preparing him right then and there for battle. I want to tell y'all something. Some of y'all want to go into warfare and don't even realize you're already in it. Some of us want to go out and try to deliver somebody and don't understand deliverance is all around you, starting with you. If if you can't deliver yourself, you sure can't deliver Teresa Waddell. If you can't get rid of stuff that's coming at you, how do you think you're going to come into church and try to deliver somebody else? Or tell somebody else what's wrong with them. So David... He spent time with the sheep because at that time, God was showing him how to be a shepherd. 
He was showing him how to be a pastor. He was showing him how to guard those sheep, protect those sheep. See, that's what a pastor does. See, some pastors just stay behind the pulpit, give you a sermon, and want their money. But a true pastor is going to guard their sheep. It's going to protect their sheep. It's going to go after those sheep. This is what happens. See, this is the problem. When, you, when you're ministering the word of God and you're going out as a minister, then you're giving them, you're making disciples. But once you bring the disciples in the house of God and they sit up under a pastor, the pastor is the one that go rescue the sheep when the sheep is in danger. It ain't for the sheep to do it. So if the pastor ain't going out to get that sheep, you need to leave that sheep alone. That's the word. You need to leave that sheep alone. Why am I saying that? Because there's a reason why the pastor ain't touching the sheep no more. Because if the pastor pull out that staff like a shepherd would do and put that thing around the sheep neck and the sheep is pulling against that pastor every time the pastor try to help, you saying you dumb sheep. Now I'm using that as a phrase because sheep are dumb. That's why they need a shepherd. Now, don't get offensive. I'm not calling you dumb because some people say you're calling me dumb. But at times, people can act like they dumb. They can act like they just, what, what, what the dumb mean? Is that what it mean? Don't know. What the ignorant mean? Unlearned. But dumb mean what? Okay. So if the pastor is not going after that sheep, You need to leave that sheep alone because the sheep don't want to be part of what's being done in the house. See, that's considered a lost sheep because the pastor goes after that lost sheep. The 99 is okay, but it's one that ain't right. So that pastor is going to go after that one. He don't have to or she don't have to mess with the 99 because the 99 is okay. So David, he was tending those sheep. And as David was tending those sheep, He learned how to watch over them. He learned how to guard them. He learned how to protect them. He, they even knew David by name. You know, when David called them, they knew the call of that shepherd. See, this is why when you come into the house of God and God puts you up under a pastor, you're supposed to get to know that pastor. You're supposed to get to know that pastor ways and the way that pastor does things. So if somebody come in the house and try to bring division or try to come against your pastor, you'd be like, uh-uh, I don't know who you're talking about. You shut them down then because you don't spend enough time with the pastor to know the characteristics of that pastor. So it was time for David to go into battle. David wasn't looking to go into battle, but guess what? David had girded up the loins of his mind. David had tent to those sheep for so long that when he approached the battle, and this is the thing, here go old King Saul. This is the one that the people chose. So God gave them what they asked because they rejected God. They rejected Samuel. So he said, I'm going to give you King Saul, but this is what Saul's going to do. And it did happen. So Saul, supposed to be the one, you know, getting the battle in array, and so as Saul run, they run with Saul. Because if the king's running, I certainly ain't staying here. So he, he come into that battle, and he looking at what's going on, and he was so keen when it come to the things of the kingdom. He said, who is this uncircumcised? 
Come on, y'all. A person that's uncircumcised means they ain't in covenant with me. I want y'all to catch it. If they uncircumcised Jennifer Simpson, they ain't in covenant. They don't have the same covenant you do. They don't have the same right that you do. They don't have the same protection that you do. So David, no, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that you're running from? Who is he? God is greater than this man. So they looking at him, his brother, to my, oh, you just go somewhere. I'm paraphrasing. But David began to say the same thing. So they told David about Goliath, and he said the same thing. So they took him to Saul. He said, I'll fight this Philistine. David was not afraid because I believe David wasn't afraid because he know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, it shall comfort me. So David knew the Lord, and by him knowing the Lord, Saul began to say, you can't go out like that. He said, come on, put on my armor. Let me ask y'all a question. If Saul is running with the armor he got on, who would want to put on his armor? So David, out of obedience, began to put on Saul's armor. And David began to say, I can't wear this. David knew it didn't fit because he knew it was fear in that armor. He knew it was discouragement in that armor. He knew that if he put on that armor, he would already been done lost the battle. So David began to take him what a sling and five stones. Y'all know what David did. He began to tell Goliath, this is what I'm going to do, Goliath. And he began to put God in the forefront of the battle. And y'all know what happened. Why? How did this happen? Because he girded up the loins of his mind. He prepared himself. He made himself ready even before the battle. Do you know what some of us Christians do to prepare our mind? We watch TV all day long. We listen to ungodly music sometimes all day long. We listen to gossip all day long. Anything that you entertain, anything that you spend more time with, even Facebook, that's what you become. Your mind is not prepared and it's not ready. And this is what I see. Y'all, I keep bringing Facebook in this house. And the reason why I'm bringing Facebook in this house, I see people's fingers right now on the, the, the keyboard knowing how to sign in without even looking no more, knowing how to maneuver through Facebook and don't even know you got 66 books in your Bible and can't even turn to them when you tell them to turn to a certain book. You got to look in the index to know where it's at, but nobody have to tell you how to go through Facebook. Mine's not prepared. Mine's not girded up. Mine's not ready, but it's ready for what the world is doing. People can tell you more of what's happening on the news than they can tell you what has already happened in the word of God. And the more things you listen to, that's what you prepare in your mind for. But when you take the word of God and you prepare in your mind, if you look at the news, you say, nah, that ain't so in the name of Jesus. Famine don't come to my house. And even when it do come to my house, I'm well taken care of. 
because you done prepared your mind for what's yet to come. Are these things going to come? Yes. Did they come in Egypt? Yes. But they were in Goshen and God protected his people. So everything Egypt got, Goshen didn't get. I'm here to tell you, you are God's chosen generation. You are his royal priesthood. I'm telling you, when you know who you are, no matter what comes, you stand still and you see the salvation of the Lord because you have prepared your mind for battle. And I'm going to ask Miracle Temple, are you prepared for battle? You got to be aware of what's going on around you. You can't wait for nobody to tell you what's in your house. You should know what's in your house. It's time, y'all. God is saying, prepare yourself for battle. Get your mind ready. Look at what happened over there in Egypt. Look at those men that came over there and killed, what, over 300 people. Come on, y'all think that we're one of the least? You don't know what's coming. This is why you got to prepare your mind. You got to be ready. But you know what the enemy does? He put our focus on worry over the simple things. Well, Lord, how am I going to do this? Lord, how am I going to do that? But when we got our minds prepared and ready, the scripture pop up through the Holy Ghost when he say, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. Let me give you a nugget. If you don't capture a thought within five seconds, it's done captured you. This is why God give you the word of God and tell you how you supposed to live according to the kingdom. God puts you on earth to make a difference, not to be like the world is. The Bible says that the God of this world have blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why did he blinded their minds? So the light of the glorious gospel cannot shine through. So it's our job, if their minds are blinded, when we're getting taught who we are now that we're in Christ, when we're getting taught what Jesus done for us, we should be bringing them kingdom. We should be telling them, you don't have to live like you're living. You don't have to do what you're doing no more because God made a way through his son. And when you begin to talk about the son, then this is what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God was telling me we got people ashamed of the gospel. How did I know you're afraid to talk to your family about it? Because you're afraid you're going to get cursed out. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed. See, anything that you are ashamed of, you don't talk about. Now ask your neighbor, say, are you ashamed? Because if you ain't talking about Jesus, if you ain't giving them the good news in the gospel, you are ashamed of it. And the Bible says that if you be ashamed of me and my words, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. Shame. Shame, shame. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? Salvation unto everyone that believe. See, the enemy knows if I can make you ashamed, how do he make you shame, Teresa Waddell? When we begin to think about what we used to do, when we begin to think about how unworthy we were, I ain't worthy of 
enough to tell nobody about Jesus. I just curse somebody out. But you got to know that he already paid the price for what you've done. So you begin to tell the enemy, I'm not ashamed. Because I've been made worthy through Jesus Christ and not through anything that I would ever do. So when you begin to do that and build yourself up, as you begin to tell them about Jesus, you begin to go back and say, this is who I was. But this is who I am now. This is what I used to do. But this is who I am now. You're reminding yourself of who you are now that you're in Christ. And they'll look at you and say, you done all that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I've done all of that and even more. But God ain't telling me to tell you the more yet. I'm just telling you what I did then, but I ain't going to tell you everything. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you enough to let you know if he accepted me, my God, he can accept you. Because I used to be a thief and a robber. Some people here saying, how many here used to be a thief and a robber? Everybody. Everybody. Because if you lie, you done stole. See, people don't want to raise their hand. Really? You, you, you was a thief and a robber. You were a liar too. Because if you stole, you lied. If you, if you break one, you done broke them all. So everybody fit the bill up in here. Some people say, I ain't never been a prostitute. <sighs> you sold something. <laughs> See, we're going to get it right. This is, oh, I'm telling you what, my baby is leaping because it makes you think God even the more. I may not been this, but I was that, and that made me be that. Y'all better understand, some people um, grade on a curve, sin by a curve, and say, well, I was never a homosexual. I may have lied a little bit. We try to put homosexual above, but if you a liar, you're right up there with a homosexual. So we need to cut this mess out, big sins and little sins. Well, you know, I lied a little bit, but I never took nothing from nobody. I was never greedy of gain. You still a liar. You're still greedy of gain, but because of the blood of Jesus, he done washed it all away. So just tell people, yes, I used to be a liar. I used to be a thief and robber. And matter of fact, I used to be a murderer. You know what a murderer is? Thank you, Tony. See, Jesus broke it down. You don't have to kill nobody. You kill them with your mouth. Oh, God is breaking it down now. Oh, we act like we super saved. You ain't super saved. The only reason why you saved is because of Jesus. And that's what put the super on it, not you. And it's in your spirit. So we need to keep our mouths off of people and stop talking about what they ain't doing, what you haven't done. This is what we do, though. I may not be perfect. And I may not do things right like I should. But I know better. That's a record that's being scratched all up. Everybody got common sense. Yes, they do. But sometimes we don't use that either. Because even Christians, when they want something, they forget what the commandment said. It says that you don't covet (laughs) What your brother or your sister have. God ain't about covetousness. So when we see somebody with something, we all of a sudden start covenant, Miss Deborah. Wow, I believe I want that. Oh, it's so solid in here. See, God is breaking it down. And this is why I want everybody to understand when you prepare your mind and you gird up your mind, 
You prepared for battle. Every day you getting into that word, not only on Sundays. Some of us don't even go back on Sundays. We just take the word and we just go with it. We get happy on Sunday, Monday, we're back down in the pit again, just like Joseph was. How you think Joseph come out the pit? Joseph just didn't stay in that pit and cry. I believe Joseph was saying, God, this is what you said. God, you said they should, they're going to be bowing down to me. They can't bow down to me in this pit. So God, you're not man that you should lie. Neither the son of God that you should repent. Have you not said it? Shall you not do it? Have you not spoken it? Shall you not make it good? God, you will not be made ashamed of. So I'm coming out of this pit and I'm going to the palace. But before he got to the palace, guess what? He had some persecution. He got accused, falsely accused. But David took it in, not David, Joseph took it in humility and he began to remind himself and the favor of the Lord was upon David even in prison. This is what the world do, y'all. The enemy used the world, those that are in the world, to trip you up. He got to have his kingdom people. So he used his people to trip you up. You know how they trip you up? They began to talk about, I'm going to Facebook again. What they did over the weekend. Let's start there. I went so-and-so over the weekend. And they posing where they've been and how they enjoying where they've been. And all of a sudden, you looking at it and you start saying... I never get to go nowhere but church and home. Nobody never invite me nowhere. I never do nothing nice. I'm just always by myself. So there you are. He go rejection. He go feeling alone. Then you get off of there and say, honey, why you don't never take me nowhere like that man take his woman? Look at that. Look at that. They having fun. So see, this is what the world does. The enemy sets you up by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He wants you to love the world and the things that are in the world because he know if you begin to love the world, you ain't going to love the Father like that. So that means you're going to turn away from the Father. See, that's why your mind got to be prepared. If you know that Facebook, if you know that any other book is going to take you out of the book, out of the word of God, you're going to get rid of that. Because if you haven't gotten to a place you need to stay off of it. It's one thing to post the scripture and get off. But it's another thing to go down the timeline. Because if you go down the timeline, it's taking you back. It's taking you through some times. And then you begin to have some reflections of what you could have, should have, or would have done. And then you want to be a part of what they're doing. So God said, gird up the loins of your mind be prepared be ready oh i felt that every time i talk about facebook somebody's trying to beat me up up in here <laughs> beat me up but i'm here to bring you truth that's my job i'm here to bring you truth and in our minds we're trying to find every excuse of why we own it anybody figured out one yet because if you're up there to save souls, somebody should be saved. Because if you put enough scriptures up there with the Holy Ghost speaking, somebody's going to answer the call. And some of your friends going to be deleted. 
Because the Muslims, you done accepted as friends and didn't know they were friends. Buddhists, Buddhists and all that that you done accepted as friends. Israelites, you done accepted as friends. Because they sound like they're speaking the word, but it ain't. So as soon as you start speaking truth, guess what? Delete. Don't get nobody mad at you. They delete you. Tell them the truth. They delete you. I know that's wrong. Delete. Delete. Y'all know how to hit that delete button. Unwanted. That's what that means. Stay off my page. <laughs> Unfriended. <laughs> so listen at this. In Ephesians six fourteen. listen at what it says. Stand therefore. It's still telling you to do what? Stand. Stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth. Oh my goodness. Y'all, you got to have those loins girded about with truth. And this is why Paul is saying this. Because Jesus began to say, remember a soldier, he has to be ready for battle. Why did Paul use soldiers? Because back where Paul was, he was locked up. He was around those Roman soldiers. So God had given him something to use based on what he was seeing. And he used the word of God. So he was telling us, you got to be... um, prepared for battle just like these roman soldiers so he said you got to gird up the loins of your mind with truth that means that when you get the knowledge of the truth go with me to john 8 i'm going to talk about this i'm going back to the truth but we have to have the knowledge y'all of the truth listen what jesus is saying in saint john the eighth chapter in verse 31 listen at this Verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. How are you going to believe on him if you haven't heard about him? And it says, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Who was Jesus talking to? The ones that did what? The believed on him, right? Who am I talking to now? Oh, wow. If ye continue in my word. Let's stop right there. If ye continue, what do continue mean? You staying in that word. If you continue in my word, who word? God's word. You got to continually be in God's word. If you continually be in my word, this is the key. This is how you disciples. Then ye, then are ye my disciples indeed. A disciple is always in the word. Why? Because they got to be girded about with truth because they got to know how to answer when they come upon something. So he said, you got to continually be in my word. And I like this part. If you continually, if you continue in his word, then truly you are his disciples. But then the next part of this said, and ye shall know. Let's start with the word no. No means intimacy. It means to become acquainted with. He said, you shall know the truth. See, if you stay in, in that word, this is what happened. When you in that word, remember the, the Bible says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. The word gives illumination. The word gives light. The word gives revelation. 
That's when you become acquainted with it. That's when you become to know it. Y'all know in a relationship, the longer you're in the relationship, you become acquainted with that person. You get to know that person. You get to know their voice. You get to know their pitches in their voice. You know, a woman started out, hey, honey. Then you make a man, hey, honey. Then you make a man, hey, honey. You get to know the tones, right? Because you have become so intimate with that person, you know, men, let's just, just forget the tone. Look at the face. You know a wife face, don't you, Brother Gray? They don't, Darlene don't have to say nothing. She can just look at you one way and you like, let me shut up. Or, or men, y'all know when you're in a conversation with somebody and the man might be talking out of tone and what you do, honey? Kick him under the table. <laughs> that means shut up. So they know the harder you kick them, they know the pitch. You give them a tap, they don't shut up. You give them another little tap, they still talking. But when you go, mm, they say, what you say, Brother Jane? Nothing. And they didn't, then they bending down like, y'all think they're scratching their leg. No, he rubbing that thing. So this is what I say. When you become so intimate with God, there's so an intimacy with him. The Bible says that, let's go back over again, and ye shall know the truth. You're going to know the truth, become acquainted with the truth, become intimate with the truth when you continue in the truth. And then it says, and the truth shall make you free. Nothing makes you free but truth. The enemy don't want you free. Even being saved, he don't want you free. He wants you in bondage. So guess what? He's saying, even though you went over to the kingdom of light, I still got some darkness on you. I still got something I'm using on you that when I need to push a button and I push that button, you coming right to my side even though you saved. Y'all, we got some buttons. People know, don't push that button. You better not push that because nobody know about that button except you. Now, a husband and a wife, this is why I say, you better know who you marry. You better know what the word of God said. I'm going to tell y'all something. Marriage is a covenant. It is not for just the bedroom. People get married, Christian folks, because they're tired of being alone in their bed. But the Bible lets us know we're not alone, right? I'm still going somewhere with knowing the truth. The more intimate you get with the truth, you get more content, you get more satisfied, and you ain't accepting anything or anybody to share your bed. Because you know that it's been you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you ain't just letting anybody come in your bed. You're not just praying just because, you know, God, if I just have somebody, maybe I'd be all right. No, it don't work like that. So marriage is a covenant. So when you stand to be married, you're standing before God, and you're making a covenant with each other. That's why you're saying for better for worse, for richer, for poor, and sickness and in health. This is why you get to know the person before you come together with that person. See, this is how we miss it. This is what the world do. The world check out the goods first before they get married. And if it ain't like they want it to be, ah, I changed my mind. 
You checking it out, just checking it out. Then when you get it, you don't want it no more. Y'all so quiet. I'm going here for a reason. Because <laughs> we feel like that's what we need at that time, right? We feel like she's what I want, he's what I want. But when you finally get them he's and she's, you figured out you ain't what I want. But guess what? You done signed something. You done made a covenant. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to death do us part till I kill you or you kill me. That's what people say now. I'm going to kill you dead. And this is what's happening. Think about it. You seeing people killing each other, then going to lie and say, I didn't shoot them. And know you shot them. Because you got tired of them. You said to death do us part. Somebody had to kill somebody so I can go, you know. Y'all, this is serious business. This is why you wait on your mate. You don't just get married because you can. Because after coming down the aisle, after looking all pretty, and after everybody eat all your food, and after getting on the dance floor, and after the honeymoon, when you roll over, you're going to say, what have I done? Because all the excitement have left the room. Now you got to cook, you got to clean, ain't no more you, it's him. You got to put up with his ways, his way of doing, his way of acting, and his way of acting making you mad. All of that come in one package. Some days you feel like, Lord, I thank you. Some days you feel like, Lord... He probably feel the same way I feel. I'm going to wring his neck. Then I have to come on back. I have to come on back. Because he know how to push my buttons. I know how to push his. But it's a button I always push and it's to heaven. I say, heaven, if you don't come down here to earth right now, when you call on him, he'll come. So we see right now that you got to know the truth. And when you know the truth, y'all got to catch the first part of the verse. You got to know the truth. In order to be free. This is the enemy job. Now I'm going to go to the enemy. The enemy does not want you to know the truth. He always wants you to be deceived. He always wants you to think opposite. To the word of God. This is why it's so much gossip going on. One minute somebody's telling you one thing. By the time you get it back to you. It's another thing. Now which was it? I was um, watching this um, thing on the news. Um, This man has shot his wife. Did y'all see that? I don't know how long it happened, but uh, she was coming back in the bedroom. He thought it was an intruder, and he shot her. They said, well, you don't know your wife. You don't know her form. Well, I thought it was an intruder. So anyway, he got 15 years. But the thing was, when they went back to interview him in prison, his whole story changed. He said it was a lot of them. She said, how can you change your story now? He said, well, it's still the truth. I might tell it this way one day, might tell it this way the next, but it's still the truth. No, the truth remains true. There is no deception in the truth. When God says what he said, he meant what he said, and God don't change his word. See, this is what the enemy does. This is what Jesus said in this very same chapter. When Jesus was telling them about the truth, listen what he told the ones that didn't believe. He said in verse 44, he said, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. That's verse 43. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Jesus done gave him to the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Y'all listen. 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speak of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Y'all, we need to meditate on that. That's the devil. There's no truth in him. He's a liar. He speaks lies. How many people have you been around that saved can look you in your face and tell you a lie? And you knowing what the truth said and they still lying like you, you just don't know. That's what the devil do. The Bible say he come to steal, kill, and destroy. When he steal the word from you, guess what? He done killed you and he done destroyed you because the word is what give you life. He's after the truth, y'all. He don't want you to have the truth. This is why he keep people out of the house of God. This is why he keep people out of Bible study. Because he said, if you come to these two sessions, you're going to know more than I want you to know. And this is the thing. He said, even though you come, I'm going to snatch the word that you already received by putting stuff in your way so the word can't get rooted and grounded. He said, either way, I'm going to take it from you. Come on. He used the serpent. He used the serpent that God created. Serpent was good, but he knew the serpent was cunning. Then everything that God had made, he said, I need to use something that's cunning. He used that serpent and Eve had a conversation with that serpent because God made the serpent and God said, everything I make is good. So the only thing Eve saw was good. Just because someone say they born again, if they have not girded up the loins of their mind, if they have not renewed their mind, the person that's still lying is going to lie. They're going to go back to that pattern of lying because they don't know truth. That's what they are accustomed to. Just because you saved and Jesus washed away all of your sins, it was some habits left behind. And the enemy know that. This is why you got to dig up that fallow ground. You got to get rid of all that stuff that was left behind through renewing your mind. So the enemy know I can give you stuff that's going to change your mind. I can put doubt in it. Look at Adam and Eve. What happened? Y'all, they were in paradise. They had everything that they needed. But the enemy said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to show you you need more. I'm going to show you that this is not enough. And he began to do it by telling them, have God really said? Come on, have y'all ever got that when you get a word from the Lord? Come on. You get a good word from the Lord and you know it's the Lord speaking because the Lord, because you ain't told nobody but the Lord and God sent a prophet on the scene and he began to speak through that prophet and confirm what he has given you and you're saying, praise Jesus. Oh, that is the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then a week down the road, you're saying, God, what are you saying? God, the devil say, did God really say that? Or did you talk to someone and they told that person that? See, I get that all the time. When God used me behind the pulpit, the first thing that people say, did, did somebody talk to you? Did, did uh, somebody tell you that? <laughs> the devil talking to you. See, that's what people do. When you know who you are in Christ, you're going to know who's speaking. You ain't going to take offense on that. You're going to say, God, that was for me. That's for me, God. So I'm going to take that because that's you speaking to me. I'm not going to get offended because you're talking to me, God. So we see here that he went into that garden and he tore it up. 
How many lives, even in this room, have we allowed the enemy to tear up with our mouth, with our way of thinking, with our way of doing, with us going ahead of God when he said, be still and know that I'm God. See, this is why we have to gird up the loins of our mind, y'all. Your spirit, that's the part of you that got born again. That's the part of you that the enemy cannot touch. But your mind is wide open. You can sit down in a quiet room and say you want to be before the Lord, but your mind is like a merry-go-round. Everything is popping up in your mind. Oh, you better take care of that. You better take care of this before you forget. Oh, this right here. You got to spend time with God where you have a quiet moment. That means that nothing is racing. You hear nothing but him. And when you get to that point, you're going to hear the Lord speak, and you're going to be like Sam say, yes, Lord. Your servant here. Speak, Lord. The enemy don't want you to have that quiet time. Because he know in the moments of that quietness, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to remind you. It's going to begin to speak truth to you on things that you asked him last week. So he don't want you to have that. He wants you to always be running somewhere, doing this and doing that. He said, I want you to be still and know that I'm God. We don't have enough stillness in the body of Christ. We have too much of doing this, too much of doing that. And then when we come into the house of the Lord, when we come into fellowship, everybody minds are all over the place. We can do announcements and say certain announcements and people say, I didn't hear that. Because our minds wonder. We begin to wonder off because we be looking like we done been in here how long? So we don't even begin to listen. The enemy don't want you to hear truth, y'all. So even when you come into the house of God, the fellowship, he got your mind wandering everywhere else. He got your stomach growling. But I'm here to tell you, when you make a connection with the word of God and you know the truth, you don't care how long you sit there. You're saying, feed me because my spirit need to be fed. My mind need to be changed. I need to be transformed. Forget all this. Forget all that. Here I am, Lord. I need to be renewed. I need to be. Y'all know how a caterpillar look ugly? But when it's time for his transformation, you didn't even know he was a caterpillar. He turned into a beautiful butterfly. I don't know about you. I want people to see God in me and through me. And in order for them to see that, I have to gird up the loins of my mind. And this is what um, God is bringing in this house today. People's minds are not girded up because we fall for anything. We're falling for more of the world than we're falling for Jesus Christ. We're following people that don't even serve him. You got people saying they serve him, but they party in every weekend. We got people that say they pray in the GC. The enemy got them so confused that they feel like they can still go to God, get what they want, and party all weekend. The devil is a liar. That's deception. In that case, none of us need to be saved. We just need to call on him and say, God, you know I want this. God, and you know I want that. See, these are ignorant folks because God already gave it to you, but in order to connect to it, you got to accept him as your Lord. And when you accept him as your Lord, you ain't doing the same thing no more. No more. You don't have a desire for that no more. Even when you drive up to the club, you can't even get out because you're knowing it ain't right. And you begin to pull off because you're saying, that ain't me. No more. Because you gave him your whole heart. 
your company begin to change. You don't stay around. I, I want to ask you something, Apostle. Light and darkness don't mix. Either that light is going to expel that darkness or the darkness is going to expel the light. So if I'm in the midst of a dark person, I'm going to give them the light that comes through Jesus Christ because he is the light of the world. But if I'm hanging around that person that's in sin and I'm doing what they do, they don't want the light. I want what they got. God is saying, cut off these associations. Cut off these associations that's making you uh, still curse. That's making you do things that you shouldn't be doing. You got to cut them off. You got to go build yourself up. You got to gird up your mind. You can't do like your children doing. You got to cut it off. Some of us still let the children come in the house and bust the move. Crank up the music. Well, they in their room, they ain't bother me. Oh, no, the devil is a lot. Turn it off. Not up in here. Let me tell you something. This is just how I am, y'all. If I'm watching something and I'm thinking that it's going to be somewhat good, next thing you know, you see a girl working her tail all up at the TV. I'm like, Jesus. And I'll turn it off. And you know what I'll do? Ask that man. Forgive me for turning this on in this house. Because what am I doing? Say, honey, have at it. (laughs) Pornography. They're putting pornography on shows that you think would be good. And you're bringing it in your house. I said, honey, forgive me. That should not have happened. Won't happen no more. Me and my daughter watching TV in the love sing forwarded area. Press forward to... Why do I do that? Because anything your eyes see is what you're going to go back to. It's what's going to be bring distortion. So y'all know how you feel. As you remember in the old days, you had them TVs and you didn't have the right antenna. You see distortion in the screen. But Monica, you work them rabbit ears. You working them things. Who almost got a picture? Who almost got a picture? That's what's going to take for Christians. You can't get a picture of heaven. Of the word of God because you got so much distortion around you dealing with the world. So if you don't get rid of that distortion, you're not going to get a clear picture of who you are. Because we're allowing too much to go on. When it, and you know what people say? Now you're just being too holy. Nope. No, I'm not. This is what we're supposed to be. This is who we are. Some of us want young folk to say they're young, let them have their life. No, because they might die before they even have a real life. So we got to tell them now, cut that off. You don't need that. Even with music, young folks lock up in the room, put their earphones on, put all that gangster stuff on, and guess what it's representing? Death. So if somebody come up in their face, they already done killed them because that's all they've been watching all day. So what we got to do is say, what are you listening to? Well, let me tell you about what that does. See, because when they get old enough to make their decisions, they can't say you didn't tell them. Y'all, we got to be prepared. We got to be ready for what's yet to come and for what's already here. The enemy is out to take your mind. Satan is out to take your mind. And guess what we're doing? We're giving it to him. We're giving him our mind, y'all, by what we do. 
Guess what? We have a will. He can do no more than what we allowed him to do. God has given us the authority, but God is not going to go against our will. Whatever you choose to do, that's what you're going to do. Let me give you some advice. If you're hanging around somebody that's always keeping up with the world, you're going to want what the world got. You're going to think in order to be around them, you got to have what they have. But you're supposed to be telling them, no, that's not who you are. That's not who you represent. We're king's kids. We're a royal priesthood. We're here to bring the kingdom to earth to let them know there is a difference. I'm about light. You about darkness. But yet you say you save. That don't line up with scripture. The Bible say you speak truth in love. Because when they disrespect you, they're disrespecting your God. Now, if you choose to do this, then you choose to do it not around me. Because what you do affects me when I'm around you. Because eventually while you're watching it, it's gonna end, you're going to end up thinking about it. I'll say this. If you made up your mind and you believe by Jesus Christ, you were healed. And you're repeating that. You're girding up your mind with it. You're meditating on it. Eventually it takes root in your heart. That's when you begin to guard that so you can keep it there. Let's say somebody come over and they, you begin to talk to them and you begin to tell them what's going on. Say, folks, they look at you and say, are you crazy? Now, that, that just ain't right. Now, I know he gave you common sense. You don't supposed to be doing that. All of a sudden, once they leave, fear come. It's being uprooted because you allow the devil to bring that in your house. See, that's why I understand right now when it came to my grandfather, whatever he did, he did it unto the Lord and he didn't care what nobody thought. He didn't care what nobody said. He stood on truth. He stood on what he believed. He was ridiculed. He was talked about. People were saying he was a root worker. They were saying all kind of things about granddaddy, but he wasn't moved by what was being said. The only thing that moved him is what the word said. That's how we have to be now, y'all. We can't be moved by what the world is doing. We got to be moved by what the word is saying. Now, when I, when I look back in the word of God, I'm going to give you another one. Go to Acts. Thank God for teaching, huh? Amen. Go to Acts chapter 13. I'm going to show you how cunning the enemy is and how he uses people to mess up other folk. Acts 13, and we're going to look at... Um, Verse 7, Acts 13, verse 7. This is Paul when they began to preach the word of God in the synagogue. It said, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. See, they wanted the word. Now look at this. But Elmas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Do you see how the enemy, when you give the word of God, guess what he's going to do? He's going to send somebody to change your mind. I'm going to give you an example. If people come up in Miracle Temple and get the truth, and they begin to talk about the truth, the enemy is waiting to take that truth to change their mind so they won't get truth. Y'all better catch it. Because anytime you get in truth, the enemy is going to use somebody to take the truth and say, that ain't what the word says. Look at this part here. This is what we're supposed to do. 
Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, would thou not cease to pervert the right way of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Look at that devil. Paul spoke up. He used his authority. He saw what the enemy was doing to turn them away from the faith after the word was given. Can I ask you something, church? What are we doing? What are we doing? First of all, our minds have to be prepared, have to be made ready. How do I do this? Y'all know this scripture. Be not conformed. That's your first step. Be not conformed to this world. Conform, y'all know what it means to be patterned, adapted after the world, after its customs. But be ye transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will prove, you will know what the good and acceptable will of God is for your life. If you don't renew your mind, you're not going to know what you have. Now that you're in him, things are not going to be able to change in your life. See, this is why the enemy know once you receive the word of God, he's waiting to take that word with something. So you got to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. This is why. And it says, my son, pay attention to my words incline thine ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to all those that find them and health to all flesh. The, medicine, the, the word is your medicine. And if you don't begin to take it, guess what? You begin to die. You die spiritually. Even though you save, you are spiritually dead because the word is what gives you life. Life is in your spirit. You need to be fed by the spirit of the Lord. How is the spirit fed? By the word of God. If you're dying, it's because you ain't feeding your spirit. And when things come, if you accept what's coming and you don't use your authority, it's because you believe that more than you believe the word. You got to stand on truth. And this is why it says the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly weapons, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So when we use God's weapons, which is his word, this is what pulls down those strongholds. And I'm going to tell you something. A stronghold is due to your way of thinking. If you don't get rid of that thought, and the Bible tells you, casting down. That means that thought is out there. It said you got to literally destroy that thought, that imagination, that reasoning, casting down imagination. It's reasonings in your mind that you allow in to stay there. It said cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the word of God. What's being exalted in your mind above his word? That's what you got to bring into captivity. It said bring every thought. How many is floating out there? It said you got to grab them. You got to bring them into captivity until the what? Obedience of Christ. And if you don't do that, the enemy's setting up a fortress in your mind because five seconds will set up a stronghold. If you don't get rid of it, I, no, 
you don't. I don't believe that. That's a lie. Some thoughts, y'all, they seem so true. They seem, ah, they ain't what the word says. I don't receive that. I don't accept that. Get out in the name of Jesus. You don't belong here. Sometimes I walk through my house just talking. You don't belong here in the name of Jesus. You go right now, Jesus. And how you get up in here anyway? I don't believe that lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You go right now in the name of Jesus. And when you keep speaking like that and giving the word, the Bible says he will leave you for a season. A season. But he's coming back with some more ammunition. Because when you go from glory to glory to glory, you're getting high up there in that spiritual realm. And you're going to be fighting the big dogs then. See, right now, some of y'all still fighting them little ones. But the higher you go in the spirit, you begin to see what you're warring against. You begin to, the battle is on. You better make sure that you got on the whole arm. But let me tell you about the belt of truth. This belt with the soldier holds up the rest of the armor. That's where your sword go in at. The sword is what? The word of God. You can't even wear that without having on the belt of truth. Because the soldier ain't going into battle holding that sword. He has it here. But when it's time for him to fight, it comes out of the mouth. That's where that sword is. It's, remember, they said when Jesus come, there's going to be a sword that comes out of his mouth. And that's what he's using, the word of God. But you got to have that. You got to surround yourself with the word. That's why it's the belt of truth. And everything that um, you put on, your breastplate of righteousness, it is attached to the belt of truth. Why? Because it is the truth. Knowing the truth is what sets you free. So that belt holds up everything that's why he began with the belt of truth some of us don't know truth don't know the word because we don't spend time with the word we spend more time with other things than we do the word of god i'll give you an example if there's something that you love doing let's say baking a cake you love baking cakes you spend time with that cake you got to get all the ingredients right. You got to get all the measurements right. And everybody enjoy your cake and you feel the enjoyment of them enjoying your cake. So everybody put in order for a cake. Woo, not only if I'm making good cakes, I'm making money for these cakes. I ain't got time to be bothered. Go get these ingredients. Do this, do that. And you're throwing everybody else off their game for you to make the money. But when you put the word of God first and foremost in your life, that's when nothing's missing. And nothing's broken. Because even when it looked like something is missing, you can say, uh 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 uh. That ain't what the word says. That ain't what God said. You got to remind yourself of what God is saying to you. Y'all, the more truth we know, the freer we get. And the Lord is saying today, we got people right in the midst of this room that's still captured. Because you haven't let go of some things. There's strongholds. There's fortresses that have been built up in your mind. And the enemy used that. When he see you getting truth, he pull you back in by that stronghold. He be making you think this. He be making you think that. And your focus is more on what he's saying than what the word of God is saying. So how do we get rid of a stronghold? We dig it up. How do we root it up? Through the word of God. That takes time. 
You have to let that word get in you. You have to meditate on that word. That's what he was telling Joshua. He said, you got to observe. Well, meditate on this word day, day and night. Observe all that's written day, that's there therein, and then you shall prosper and have good success. You can't prosper and have good success without meditating on the word of God, without observing to do all that's written therein. Y'all Christians are becoming very lazy. When it comes to the word, when it comes to the things of God, we get lazy. But when it comes to what we want to do, for some reason we get energized. We're ready. We're ready to do what we want to do. But I don't know about y'all. But when it comes to the things of God, I want to do it with a spirit of excellency. I want to do what God has called me to do. And when you do what God has called you to do, I'm telling you, the blessings of the Lord, they be manifested even in your life. Because you're not doing it unto man. You're doing it unto him. Y'all, we need to take this word more seriously. We're in a battle. We're in a warfare. And the devil is after your mind. He can only get it if you give it to him. And the more we sit there and ponder and wonder on stuff, the worse it gets. Your body begins to tremble. You become anxious. You become worried. And all of a sudden, you feel like you can't do nothing. So we have to have our minds transformed and changed. And we do it through getting into the word of God. Whatever you're going through, there's a word in the word of God to change that situation. We need to quit depending on man to save us, man to deliver us. Now, God does use men and women. Don't get me wrong. But when you have that word for yourself, and you've been in that word, just like um, in the book, St. John, when Jesus, St. John, the fourth chapter, when he talked to the lady at the well, and he began to give her the word of life. And this lady began after she got the word of life. She said, I met a prophet. And he began to tell me everything that I ever done. And they took her at that word. But then when Jesus came to them and they spent that time with Jesus, they told her, now we believe him, not because of your word, but because of the word we heard. So what am I saying to you? You can take this word that I'm giving you right now. And I'm giving you the word of God. But when you go home and search the scriptures for yourself and you seek him for yourself and you said, now I can believe, I believe the word that apostle gave, but now I can believe the word for myself because I'm in it for myself. This is where the church lack. What the church do, they come in here, they get the word, but they leave out and don't go back into the word. The more you let that word get, get in you, the more of a life of the kingdom you're going to be living. You don't have to try to act like you're living right. When that word get in you, you're living right. You don't have to put on no air. You don't have to pronounce words a certain way. You just live in that life of holiness. And in that scripture with 1 Peter 1.13, I'm going to close out with that. Go back there. 1 Peter 1.13. Listen at what Paul told him after that in verse 14. He said, as obedient children, not fashion yourself according to the formal lusts in your ignorance. He was telling them to gird up the loins of their mind so they wouldn't go back to their old way of living because they were amongst the pagans. And in order for them to um, not do what they're doing, they have to um, live like the kingdom. But as but as he which have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. 
That conversation means lifestyle. And it says, because it is written, be ye holy for I'm holy. So that's how we live a holy life. Because when you do what the word of God tells you to do, because you have transformed your mind through the word of God, you have on the belt of truth, your lifestyle is going to be holy. You don't have to try to act holy. We got too many people trying to act holy. You're already holy, but you need to have a holy lifestyle. And then that die out after a while, after somebody hurt your feelings, you don't curse them out. And you was, they say you were the holiest person in the church, always on time, always willing to help somebody. The next thing you know, when somebody got in your face, you cursed them out. You were kicking them. You would point your finger. You get out of my face. So then that you just, they were saying, well, who are you? So see, you lost your witness. But then when you come back and you, you begin to apologize and you begin to say, forgive me, that was not me. I have some areas that I yet have to overcome, but that was not called for you being Christ-like. That's what you do in the body of Christ. You don't let that slip and slide. You have a change of heart. You have a change of mind. So God is saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Be prepared. Be ready for battle. I don't know about you, but God spoke to me first. (laughs) And I was the first partaker, and I'm giving you what God has given me. And I pray that you go back. And you make sure that your minds are prepared and your minds are ready for battle because we are in a spiritual warfare. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Isn't God good? Yes, he is. And don't be afraid of losing friends. If you lose somebody because of who you are, they were never your friend. They were never your friend. If you losing them because you telling them the truth, they were never your friend. That's how you're going to know who your friends are. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Do we have any visitors today?